You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Five Things to Watch. Five things to watch here on KC Sports Network. Thank you all so much for listening, watching, consuming KC Sports Network content. This is five things to watch for Chiefs Broncos on Thursday night football. You're going to get perspectives from a bunch of different shows across KC Sports Network. We always lead this bad boy off. And we want to talk a little bit about the pass rush. Our thing to watch is going to be the pass rush, the pass rushers. You know, we talked a little bit about the la- on the lab about this group's ability to get home with four. And in some ways, you know, getting home with four requires some, you know, some personal performances across the board. You know, it's going to be fascinating. Who do you think steps up in this game, Matthew, in the pass rush? So, okay, I just want to clarify, we're doing the pass rush here, as in the guys that rush the passer. Um, I'm going to go with Chris Jones stepping up as a pass rusher, rushing the passer in this game, because I don't think the Broncos offensive line is particularly good, nor have they played well this year. They brought in Ben Powers. Quinn Miners is already there. Lloyd Cushenberry. Like, that's not a dangerous three-man interior. But even more so than that, Chris Jones has been rushing a ton from the outside as a defensive end on these third and long plays. Mike McGlinchey, the Broncos' big offensive line signing this year, has been absolutely horrendous in pass protection. He has been terrible. So for these pass rushers to pass rush, Chris Jones kicking out there to that defensive end spot on third and longs and stuff. I think he could get a lot of wins. He could really make his impact felt. Not that Chris Jones has been bad these past few weeks, but he's, his impact hasn't been as strong as it was in that first game versus the Jags a few weeks ago. So I think it's time for Chris Jones to really come back in, step up in this game, and kind of you know showcase the divisional rival, rival why he's the best pass rusher rushing the passer for this team. Chris Jones is a good target, specifically coming at the offensive tackles from the defensive end position, as is Mike Dana. Both of those guys are going to lean on a bull rush a little bit more. Both of these tackles are going to struggle with that a little bit. Not not that they're not physically imposing guys, but they haven't handled it particularly well so far this season. They've allowed some quick pressures through the middle. And if if the Chiefs opt to run some of the games that they have, I expect that Mike Dana, as the guy that's running the spike on some of these stunts, on the TE stunts, is going to get some pretty quick pressure on the inside there. Russell Wilson's not going to know what to do. I think that Mike Dana is primed for a big game. Chris Jones is primed for a big game. I think both of them come from the defensive end position, even though we've seen them both win so often from the interior. This interior is not great either, but I expect that the matchup is going to dictate that both of these guys are going to really, really get their big wins on the Interesting little nugget here. When you're looking at the injury report for this game, you're not going to see Chris Jones' designation with a groin injury as anything. So that is something worth paying attention to for sure because Chris Jones was on the injury report against the Vikings, not on the injury report for this upcoming game against the Broncos. Maybe that was slowing him down just a tad. Like Obviously still having a big impact on the game, but maybe that was just slowing him down just a little bit. Uh, George Kalafis is on there with a hamstring injury, uh, a limited participant and questionable for the entirety of the week. I'm going to go with Mike Dana. Uh, I think, you know, I we you, know, you guys got just done talking about winning off the edge. I still think, you know, Mike Dana is going to have his impact felt, whether it's on, a, you know, a game up front or just winning along the interior. Um, it could also be he's one of those guys that, you know, when when Russell Wilson starts 
uh, you know, kind of moving around in the pocket. He's one of those guys that's going to get one of those effort sacks too because he's, you know, got really good change of direction for a guy of his size. He seems to be able to clean up a lot of those plays as well. So uh, let's go around the, bo- uh, go around the board. Uh, how, many ch- how many sacks does Chris Jones get, Matthew? What you got? Uh, I think he's coming out of this game with two. Um, I feel pretty yeah. good. Maybe one from the interior. And then I definitely think he's going to get one as a defensive end, specifically working against McGlinchey. Although Garrett Bowles is actually probably a good matchup for him too. Like if we're just being honest about it, the way Garrett Bowles plays is probably a good matchup. So he might be kind of uh, wreaking havoc off either edge. So yeah, I'll give Chris Jones two in this game, extending that streak up to five straight games with at least one sack. He'll be well on his way to hitting a lot of his incentives after this week if this is the way it goes. Craig, I want to know from you, how many total sacks does the Kansas City Chiefs front get pass rushing, rushing the passer? Oh, I'm going to say five. Uh, five in total. I think that Mike Dana gets one. I think George Karloftis gets one. He's going to make me He's going to make me correct after I predicted he'd get one last week. Chris Jones, going to get two. And the remaining one? Derek Naughty on a cleanup sack. <laughs> My man has been cleaning up all kinds of extra stuff, doing the do your job. Plus, Russ is going to try and escape the pocket at some point, and Derek Naughty is just going to be just going to be waiting there. He's going to sling blade him like he did the uh, the Vikings running back last week. I, you know, the Chiefs have a lot of effort players that are going to help you know continue to play through the rush and play through the the play. I think it's going to be Felix Anudike Uzama getting one of those sacks this week it may not be just like a, a clean win up the arc and you know i think it's a it's another effort cleanup play so i think felix andy dk zama is going to get a sack this week in front of a hometown crowd uh so i think that'll be pretty cool for him but yeah i do think i think five is about right i do think this this pass rush is going to get after it a little bit this week and again we're, we're seeing uh you know chris jones healthy again and his impact when he's at full strength is undeniable so I do think uh, I think there's going to be you know there's going to be some sack production in this game for sure. I really do think so as well. I going back to Felix, I I don't know that that one's going to be an effort one. I don't know. I just feel like he can beat these tackles clean, and his best pass rush reps that we've seen this season have been very quick wins from him. It's not sure not one of those where he's winning late in the rep, chasing things down. They have been quicker wins, and if this game goes kind of like we expect it to. I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities in the dime to rush the passer. If Russell Wilson is feeling the pressure of Chris Jones up the middle and the rush lanes are covered the way that we expect them to, not like they were last week, but in previous weeks, Russ is going to drift out of the back of that pocket. And I think Felix is the kind of guy that's just going to be there, be right there at the time. So I, I'm with you, Ken. I think that's a really good pick, but I think he wins it clean. I don't know that it's going to be like a later in the rep effort kind of sack. No, I love it. I hope he does. I hope I, I hope he wins clean all day. And just <laughs> comes out of this with a, you know, him and Derek Thomas are just tied, you know, for the team record in oh, sacks. Like pass rushers rushing the passer. Just pass rushers rushing the passer, Craig. Quick question. Uh, just, if, if the Chiefs don't have any success in this game rushing the passer with their four man pass rush, right? The four man pass rush is there. They're not blitzing. They're not having success. Is there any worry? Do you guys have any worry if they come out of this game after the past two weeks without having any success with the four man pass rush? Ask me yes. the next Broncos game. Ask me the next Broncos game when Charles yeah. Minnie gets back. That's right. what I think. I think that's yeah. the big caveat is getting him back in the mix. What happens? What happens to the chemistry of that front? Roles playing out a little bit differently. Ask me after the next Denver Broncos game. But yes, I'm with you. Still, I I, I think we need to see somebody that wins one on one a little more often. Chris Jones yeah. does it just fine, but you can't put it all on his shoulders, especially when he's not a hundred percent. 
So yeah. and that's why, yeah, no one Charles Omenihue's back next week, and he's your next guy to win these one on ones. Because like George Karloftis is great, but he's not a reliable guy to win one on one. Same with Mike Dana. These guys need a little bit of help from you know quarterbacks being pushed into what their pass rush angle is going to be. You kind of got to wait for Omenihue to get there. So like I'm not worried yet if they struggle in this game, but it's again, it's on the radar. It's something I'm watching. You get to the next Broncos game, though, and Aminahue's back, and then it still repeats that same way, then I'm with Kent. Then I start to get a little bit more worried. You know what I'm not worried about? Our guy Barbershop and Deron Cherry talking a little bit about the mentality of operating on a short week. Thanks, Craig. Hey, man, this is Sean Barber from The Process, and my one thing to watch in preparation for the Denver Broncos game is man, just understanding the mindset. And so for that, I've actually brought in a friend of mine for me, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, great uh, ring of honor, Deron Cherry. And we're going to talk about the mindset, especially on the short week. What is the mindset the Chiefs have to have to make sure they prepare themselves and understand the challenge at hand when it comes to preparing from a Sunday night game to then preparing themselves to a Thursday night football? Well, especially with this team uh, coming off a very physical game against Minnesota, uh, trying to get ready. They had some guys that kind of got nicked up and banged up. Whether Travis Kelsey had played, we don't know until game time to see where that's at. But this is a team that's going to have to start fast. You know, when you get in games like this, special divisional opponents, you want to let them know that they're going to be in the game from the beginning, that you're going to be physical, you're going to control the line of scrimmage, and make sure that they know that they're in a football game because you don't want to give a team like this that hasn't had much success as the season has started any type of confidence yeah. to come into your stadium and, and play at a level that uh, is is higher than you or more exciting than what you're playing at at the time. So you want to start fast. You want to be physical. You want to let them know that you're in this game and you're here to win it. And you want to just take all the momentum that they have at the start of the game and just take it away from them right away. Yes, sir. And if they're able to do that and come out and start fast, then to me that's the key to this game on Thursday night. And a lot of that goes into our fan base, man. The energy and the atmosphere at Arrowhead Stadium, man. We talk about the Sea of Red. We talk about Chiefs Kingdom. Man, you got to be loud, proud, early and often. I'm talking about from the parking lot throughout the first quarter, uh, throughout halftime, and then come in the second half and still make sure our players are receiving all of that energy, all of that emotion to make sure they are there and they hear you being present and loud. We talk about 142.2 decibels. We set the record. Man, Thursday night football. We need this mentality and mindset to uh, enter from the, the the presence of the fan base. We need to everything the, the old spirits of Arrowhead need to come up. Um, man, this game we we can't be worried about the record of the Denver Broncos because that's something. When you talk about a mindset, it's kind of hard sometimes preparing yourself for a team that hasn't won a lot of ball games. Is not playing good football offensively? They're not doing a bunch, and then defensively, they're giving up a bunch on the ground and through the air. So it could put you in almost a lull, right? We talk about uh, trap games and sleeper games. It puts you in a lull mindset-wise of, am I preparing myself to play the best football possible? And I think that's one thing our coaching staff, Andy Reid and the rest of the coaches, have to do a great job during this short week of making sure all of our players are prepared for that mindset and that mentality of, it doesn't matter who we play. Thursday night, we got to be presented. We got to be present. We got to play our best football and play our brand of football. Be the best Chiefs we can be. I think that mindset will last us a long time. And, and it is an unusual situation because it is a short week. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is a division opponent. And if you're going to win 
the title, you got to win in your division. Yes, so that is so important to take note of is the fact that this is a division game and you can take all the records, throw them out the window. It doesn't matter. This is a division game. They know you very well because you're playing them twice a year. Yep. But you have the advantage you're playing at home on a short week. So you have to be ready and ready to go early. And uh, I think if the crowd shows up, gets these guys, juices flowing, sure. you hear that crowd noise, it's going to be exciting. There's a lot going on. They're going to honor Derek Thomas at halftime. That's right. There's, there's a lot to, to be excited about for this football game. But more importantly, this team has to start fast. They have to get out fast, and they have to be physical. All right, well, you heard it from Deron Cherry's mouth to my mouth. Hey, man, let's go, man. Let's go, Arrowhead Stadium. Be ready, be ready, be ready. Let's create a mindset and an opportunity for our guys to not only start fast, but eliminate the past records, eliminate the rankings, take care of business. All right, this is Sean Barber from The Process. That's the thing to watch. Back to you, Craig. Big thanks to Barber and Deron Cherry. Those two have played in a ton of big games. This is a big one on Thursday, so it's really good to get their opinion, their mindset as they approach this sort of thing. I'm with them. Start fast, put them away, go through all of that, and just be done with the Broncos on a Thursday night early. We are going to cut to a break, and we will be right back with more of this week's Five Things to Watch. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil or trouble. Manscaped is all new. Handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treats this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code KCSN for 20% off plus free shipping. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel size package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. There's no trick with this treat. Manscaped has you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with code KCSN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code KCSN. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Welcome back to Five Things to Watch. We've already heard from the KC Laboratory. We've heard from Sean Barber and Deron Sherry. Now we are going to throw it over to our fearless leader, BJ Kissel. He's going to talk us through a little bit about Patrick Mahomes and the intermediate and the deep passing game. Craig is great. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Said I'm BJ Kissel, and this is your thing to watch. I apologize for those just listening to the audio. I've got a lot of stats for you, so I'm going to try to talk slowly to not confuse you or confuse me as we're going through these. But my thing to watch in this game on Thursday night for the Chiefs against the Broncos, uh, kind of open-ended, but it's the Chiefs passing game. Uh, specifically, passes longer down the field. When I say that, I mean intermediate or deep passes. And according to our friends at Pro Football Focus, talking about passes 10 yards or more down the field in the air as far as how far they're traveling. Uh, the reason I'm talking about this, and I'll get into some of these numbers, um, but Chiefs offense, it's not what we've come to expect from this group on what we've seen some from them so far this season. They currently rank ninth in the NFL, averaging 25.6 points per game. And again, not bad, but not what we expect from this group. Scoring ranks for the Chiefs offense with Patrick Mahomes as quarterback since 2018. In 2018, they're ranked first in the NFL, averaging 35.3 points per game. In 2019, dropped down to sixth at 28.2 points per game. 2020, sixth again at 29.6 points per game. In 2021, they were fourth, averaging 28.2 points per game. And in 2022, last year, first in the NFL, averaging 29.2 points per game. And then this year, again, currently ranked ninth at 25.6. So the lowest rank, lowest points per game on average. Again, we're just five games in, a lot of ball game left, a lot of season left. Uh, but the young receivers, all the storylines we've been talking about, this is that progression. I'm curious to see these numbers towards the end of the season and see where we're at. But, um, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, Mahomes completed 59% of his passes beyond 10 yards down the field last year. Again, last year, Mahomes completed 59% of his passes that traveled 10 or more yards down the field in the air. And on those passes that were in the intermediate area, so we're talking 10 yards down the field to 19 yards down the field, Patrick Mahomes had 12 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Now, that seems like a lot when you break it down like that, but anyone who's ever paid attention to when bad things happen with Patrick Mahomes, a lot of times it's the shorter intermediate passes, it's the Mike linebacker dropping, sometimes missing those linebackers dropping from their normal depths. And so, again, not surprising to see those numbers, but that's what they are. And looking at those numbers, again, 12 touchdowns, nine interceptions on intermediate passes, on passes that were beyond 20 yards down the field last year, Patrick Mahomes threw four touchdowns and zero interceptions. So Patrick Mahomes did not throw an interception on the 70 passes he attempted last year, 20 yards or more down the field. Reason I tell you that is specifically against the Broncos in those two games last year, Mahomes completed only 40% of passes 10 yards or more down the field. So over the course of the season and non-Broncos games, it was 59%. Against the Broncos, it was 40%. Yes, it's a smaller sample size. The reason I'm bringing this up, and it's not to throw a wet blanket on this game that everybody thinks that we're just going to dunk on the Broncos because we have been. The games have been close, and Mahomes, he's put up some yards, and his total numbers look okay, but delivering the ball down the field has been an issue against the Broncos, and it's been an issue for this offense so far this year. Again, the reasons we know. It's a bunch of young receivers. They're still figuring it out. 
but this is context going into this game. And more importantly, 40% completion on those passes of those nine interceptions that we talked about in the intermediate area between 10 and 19 yards down the field, four of those came in the two games against the Broncos. Again, so Patrick Mahomes, those nine interceptions between 10 and 19 yards down the field, four of them came against the Denver Broncos. Remember those games. It was annoying. There were struggles. One of the linebackers had a couple of those interceptions. And so again, it's where when he does struggle, we've seen this is where he struggles. But again, it's just context for you going into this game. And again, Chiefs still won those games. They've won 16 straight against the Denver Broncos. But again, the two wins last year by a total of nine points against a bad Broncos team. Now, this year, coming into this game, the Broncos' defense is horrendous. They are worse than they were last year. They're dead last in the NFL. They're giving up 36.2 points per game. So if you're looking for a get-right game or for the Chiefs' offense to come out and and all of a sudden click and figure it out, I want to see progression. I don't think we're going to see all of a sudden they put up 60 points and everything just clicks. Because those young receivers we talked about, they're only four days older than what we saw against the Minnesota Vikings playing on a short week. And so I wouldn't expect him to come out and be on fire, but it's just steady progression is what we want to see from this group. And again, Broncos coming into this game, ranking last in the NFL, allowing 36.2 points per game. So the passing game is what I'm looking for. The deep passing game specifically, another interesting nugget I talked about last year, Patrick Mahomes attempted 70 passes beyond 20 yards down the field, did not throw an interception. So far this season, he has attempted 22 passes, 20 yards or more down the field, and already has three interceptions and zero touchdowns. And so when you're really digging into these numbers and figuring out where are they finding success, where are they struggling, they're struggling connecting on deep passes down the field and in the intermediate route, just completions. And what I expect to see from this, we've seen it with Rasheed Rice, we've heard him talking about it with Sky Moore, on social media and some of the analysts and different people who cover the team, that it's the zone. It's where to sit in these zones in those intermediate routes that are 10 or 15 yards down the field. There's a five-step drop. It's a three-step drop out of shotgun. It's taking time for these plays to develop. Got new tackles um, up front, which is also a storyline, something to get used to figuring out where he can manipulate the pocket, where these guys like to block. Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith learning where Mahomes likes to maneuver around within the pocket. There's a lot of pieces and a lot of different variables coming together for this whole thing to click and work. And I'm just providing some numbers because I've seen a lot about Chiefs are going to just stomp the Broncos. The Broncos are terrible. Yes, their defense is terrible. Yes, it's even more terrible somehow in the second half. Uh, they've really struggled uh, to stop anyone uh, at that time. But when looking at the Chiefs and all the success they've had recently, it's not like they've been winning these games and just blowing them out. What I want to see is a consistent solid performance from the Chiefs passing game in the intermediate and even the deep routes uh, just to see that because at some point we're going to see need to see that uh, from the Chiefs offense. But as long as the defense is playing the way they have, they'll keep stacking up victories, which is the most important thing right now. But again, appreciate for my thing to watch. It's the Chiefs passing game, particularly those balls 10 or more yards down the field in the air. Back to you, Craig. Thank you, BJ. That's that we all want to see more of the deep passing game. It's a lot more fun when the offense is clicking, getting the ball downfield, and really maximizing what's out there. Really utilizing Patrick Mahomes' arm. We we're talking about down the field stuff. Let's keep it in the trenches here. We're gonna go to Tucker D. Franklin and Big B to do their normal thing. They're gonna talk about the trenches. They're gonna get into it. Talk about the pass rush, offensive line. Give us a little bit more there. 
I appreciate you, Craig. Big B and I are hanging out here, two-thirds of Outside the Trenches. We're going to talk about, of course, the trenches. You probably know by now if you've listened to Five Things. That's what Big B and I talk about. we got to talk about it, especially ahead of a big divisional game for the KC Chiefs against the Denver Broncos. Big B, first overarching thoughts on uh, on the interiors of the uh, of these two teams. Well, I mean, it's it's weird. You would think that the Broncos have just been awful as far as offensive line play and, and protecting the quarterback, and they have it. You know, they they had they really haven't been. Uh, the Chiefs are getting after the quarterback. They're not bringing them to the ground a lot, uh, but they are getting after the quarterback. Um, so I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's it's going to be an interesting battle. I think the Chiefs got to continue to bring pressure and put pressure on the Broncos, um, and, and see what happens. Because Russ is going to try to make some mistakes, or he will make mistakes right. if you allow him to do so. He'll do it. So just kind of continue to bring pressure. Uh, but like I said, it, it's it's really weird that the Broncos are are better statistically anyway than what you would think by watching. Right. I started to kind of uh, compile stats before this to see, okay, uh, where are the Broncos at? Admittedly, haven't watched a whole lot of Broncos games because it's not a very fun brand of football to watch play, um, truthfully. Um, so I started compiling the numbers. Let's stick with the Broncos offense versus the Chiefs defensive line here. The Broncos are 10th in ESPN's pass block win rate and 12th in their run block win rate. And I saw that and I was like, oh, that seems a bit high. I wasn't really anticipating that. So I hopped on over to PFF. They've got a pass blocking efficiency. And they're tied for 19th. I mean, they're right up there in the in the top half of the league. Now, there's a few teams tied up there that makes them go down to that 19th number. Uh, but I think it's uh, it's it's impressive uh, when you talk about uh, Denver and what they've been able to do on the pass blocking side. Russ has been playing a whole lot better uh, than he did last year. Now, frankly, a little bar to clear for Russ for him to play a little <laughs> bit better than he than he's played last year. Uh, some people on Twitter are talking about him, maybe him playing outplaying Mahomes. Don't want to go that far. But no. Big B, one of the things that you mentioned. The Chiefs have been getting after the quarterback. They've been getting a lot of pressures, 60 pressures, according to Pro Football Reference. That's second most in the NFL this season. They're fourth in pressure percentages, but only 23 sacks to 60 pressures this season. What do you think the problem is there, the disconnect between uh, pressures to bringing the quarterback down? Because this isn't like a new thing for the Chiefs' uh, defense. It's something that's been going on for a couple of years. Well, I mean, a lot of things. I mean, Outside of Chris Jones, the Chiefs don't possess a premier, primo pass rusher. Right. You know, a guy that that's going to go get you 12, 13, 15 sacks in a season. They don't possess that outside of Chris Jones. So that's part of it. Um, can they get more? Absolutely. Can they get more? Uh, but the Chiefs also don't bring, you know, they're not blitzing all the time, you know, and bring pressure. They like to play coverage and allow for the front four to get there. So, you know, that also has a lot to do with it because other teams will bring pressure, not only to get pressure, but to bring a guy down. So as long as they're getting pressures and making a quarterback make a decision, a quick decision, a bad decision, I think they're doing the right thing. The sacks will end eventually come, but I think taking the ball away is more important or getting off the field on third down yeah. is can be more important than just sheer sack numbers going to be a big game for that. I want to go back and correct to number 12th uh, for the uh, Denver uh, offensive line and PFF's pass blocking efficiency. So Chiefs 11th, uh, Denver 12th in terms of that. But let's flip it to the other side of this matchup. Chiefs offensive line, now they've got three guys uh, in the top 20 of their respective positions in terms of uh, pass block win rate according to ESPN. 
Joe Tooney's number one in interior offensive lineman. Creed Humphrey's number three. And Jawan Taylor's 19th in pass block button rate uh, for tackles. So looking at this matchup there, I mean, Denver on the other side of the ball has got a couple good pass rushers and uh, Nick Benito, Zach Allen winning a lot on the inside. Uh, what do you kind of expect to see from uh, from this matchup here? Uh, I think the Chiefs can handle themselves. Look, we know where the struggles with the Chiefs offensive line has been. Uh, and I don't think it'll necessarily be that different, but I think that the Chiefs can hold their own and will hold their own uh, against the Broncos. Look, let's just face it. The Broncos' defense as a whole has not been good. Right. So, uh, But I think the Chiefs' interior, and look, Juwan Taylor got a lot of penalties, but he hasn't played awful. He, he just has not <laughs> played awful. I know a lot of people think that because of penalties early on, but he hasn't played bad. I mean, if you just go and you watch, uh, go back and look at tape. He hasn't played horrible. I think the Chiefs have a real advantage here. I think so, too. Uh, the Chiefs' numbers might not reflect how good they've been, I think, in the run game. Or the passing game, I think the run game's kind of going to be where uh, this game can kind of be won uh, for yeah. the Chiefs, especially with how well they've been running the ball recently. Talked with Jeff Allen on 21 Questions last week, a guy who has blocked for Patrick Mahomes, a guy who has uh, been in that Chiefs' uh, room about those gap run schemes, and he's a very big fan of that if you haven't heard that. Make sure to go check that out. And you can also hang out with uh, Big B, myself, and Nick Leckie every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. We are, are live. We're talking shop. We're talking ball. We'll be we'll be back on Sunday, though. We're going to do a special Sunday show getting you ready for the Sunday slate of NFL football. We're going to go ahead and send it back to Craig for more five things. Back to you, Craig. Thank you, Tucker D. Franklin. Little known fact, the D stands for throwing back to me. And I'm going to throw... To an ad break here, we will be back with the final of our five things right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Ben Heisler, host of Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And I've been so fortunate to have PXG uh, as our sponsor here at KCSN sponsor of Benny and the Bats. Uh, I, I think what I've really enjoyed about this partnership is that they have really had an opportunity to dive into Kansas City. And so it's nice to be able to refer people who are fans of KCSN to folks that care about the community, that care about making a presence here in Kansas City. Uh, but also they make ridiculous golf clubs as well. Had the fantastic uh, experience getting fit here with Alex Oren. She is the queen of fittings over at PXG, uh, was the first female fitter in the company's history. She's right here in Kansas City, uh, did a fitting for about two hours and just had an absolute blast. Uh, really got comfortable with every single club in my bag. And they're going to be able to do that for you guys as well. The best part is $25 fittings right now in the month of October. So make sure you guys come on over. It's a PXG store. They are located here in Overland Park, 119th and Blue Valley Parkway. When you come in, make sure you say hi to Alex, say hi to Jake, say hi to Marcus. The whole crew is going to take such good care of you. Check out, they got brand new fall apparel as well. Some great discounts on all the summer stuff as well. Uh, they've been a great partner for us here at KCSN. We hope that you guys support them and check out everything that they're doing as well. It's been such a great opportunity. Love the folks at PXG. We know you guys will too. Everything for your bag. Nobody makes clubs the way we do, period. That's PXG and PXG.com. We are back. We have heard from the KC Laboratory. We have heard from Sean Barber and Duran Cherry. And we have heard from Tucker and Big B and our fearless leader, BJ Kissel. 
We got one more thing to hear about, and we're going to go to the fellas over at Only Weird Games to hear about the secondary and linebacker coverage coming out of the Chiefs defense this week against the Denver Broncos. Thank you, Craig. Only Weird Games here to talk about only weird developments in the Chiefs secondary. Weird in the grand scheme of things, fellas, because we've talked about, we actually didn't on this week's Only Weird Games, much to my chagrin, but over the over the years, we've talked about LeJarius Sneed. Over uh-huh. this year, we've talked a lot about Trent McDuffie last year as well, of course, but this unit has really come together front to back and everything all around it. Nate, you even alluded in the episode of Only Weird Games where we did absolutely no defensive back talk nope. to uh, some some things that Justin Reed was doing against the Vikings all while LeJarrius Sneed was following Justin Jefferson and then Trent McDuffie had to deal with him when he was in the slot. What did Justin Reed do? Yeah, one of the things that has carried over from last year to this year, Josh, is that the Chiefs feel comfortable now kind of just putting Justin Reed on any tight end. And when your star receiver does catch the ball in the middle of the field, now there's things on tape that says Justin Reed's going to be very aggressive, it's going to be very physical and getting you down. Um... For all the success that the Chiefs have had, they have not really given up an explosive game to a top-end receiver, but also a tight end. And that was what was really impressive about their performance against the Minnesota Vikings is that they were comfortable letting TJ Hawkinson win the game, the most paid tight end in the league. Uh, But he was always near either Justin Reed or who I believe Seth is going to talk about next which leads you to believe that it's not just the cornerbacks now, but even the middle of the field, the way the Chiefs are covering it, has gotten so much better from perhaps where they were at this time a year ago. Seth, is is Nate right? Does he know who you're going to talk about? Since he's falling outside the purview of the secondary, Mm -hmm. I'll keep it incredibly short, given how this week's only weird games went. Where we were just tiptoe over there also, though I think that's allowed. The middle of the field has been defended significantly better um, this season, much of this season, and a lot of that is the dude who has seen every single defensive snap. Like, the moment Nick Bolton went down, I know, I'm sure Spags was like, oh, that's a bummer. Hey, Drew, you're going to be on the field a lot, dude. Start stretching. He he played every snap that remotely mattered against the Bears, which that wasn't a ton then he played extra and then he played every single snap of the two games since then and i wrote about tranquil you can check it out in the chief north newsletter where i basically said tranquil needs to be on the field all the snaps he's their best coverage linebacker it's not i don't think particularly close willie gay's best snaps are probably a little better in coverage because willie gay he like he ran with justin jefferson over the middle of the field and through his route it was an unbelievable rep like you're just like how he, but did it, he did it to Garrett Wilson dropping into coverage. Just, did. I'm in the area. with Willie, the- Willie Gay Jr.'s high, his, his, his good snaps as a, as a, as a, in coverage are unbelievable. But he takes the cheese a little more often, as they say. If there's a play-action fake, he might be, I wish I could point to the parking lot. And the receiver's <laughs> opening <laughs> and so um, Drew Tranquil has been a big reason behind it. There's a couple times where Hawkinson got targeted on important downs where the throw had to be perfect and it had to be an amazing catch to make the play happen. And that's the best you can do in the modern NFL. You force a, a perfect throw and a great catch and they couldn't complete them. So that's been a big part of their coverage stuff 
in terms of the last few weeks in the middle of the field, which was a weakness last year. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm arguing, and that's why I argue that Tranquil needs to stay on the field. Now, Spags is going to have to do some tinkering then, but it's a good problem to have. In terms of the rest of the secondary, Justin Reed's been great. Legereus Sneed um, has given Spags a corner along with McDuffie. Now that McDuffie, he knows, will lock down the slot. He can have Legereus Sneed shadow guys and play stupid physical ball on them within the five yards. Wide receivers do not like playing Legereus Sneed. He's not quite as good a cover corner as McDuffie, but he is so physical that he is just, it's annoying. And really right now, the Chiefs run four deep at corner in a way I don't think any other team in the league does. Both Josh Williams and Jalen Watson took like 40% of the snaps against the Vikings, while Snead and McDuffie were on the field like 100% of the time. And that just tells you, Spags wants both those guys on the field. It's matchup dependent. It's formation dependent. It's what we're doing in coverage dependent. But they really, I don't think there's a team top to bottom that has a one, two, three, four group of corners like the Chiefs have. And it's arguable that there's maybe only a few teams in the league that could claim to have even a, a top duo like McDuffie and Sneed. And so that, that's the great thing about them. They're incredibly deep and they're top heavy at the same time because McDuffie's a stud, an absolute stud. So that's been a lot of fun to watch. And hopefully I didn't just jinx them for some kind of get right game by Russ Wilson. Although, I don't know, I read somewhere on the internet that Russ Wilson statistically has been as good as Mahomes. So that's obviously nonsense, but I think he's been better this year than he was last year. He is. The, the yeah. Broncos defense is atrocious. So last thing on this note, Nate, and then we'll get out of here. Do you have an inkling? Because uh, I don't think Spags addressed it directly when he spoke weirdly early this week, Monday, um, short week at all. Mm-hmm. With with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, it, it of the, the Broncos' many issues, having two good pass catchers is not one of them. Is right. there a follow plan for Legereus Sneed, or is this one of the weeks where they just sort of let the matchups come to them? I think my guess is that it'll probably be luxurious need on Cortland Sutton, right? Cortland Sutton is, um, you know, from a physical matchup, I think Sneed does a does a better job. Where, um, look, if the if the Broncos want to use Jerry Judy in the slot, that will be sort of Trent McDuffie's responsibility. Um, but I get the sense that Legereus Sneed understands that Cortland Sutton had. Um, he's had some very nice snaps this year and he knows the offense and he's probably the most reliable receiver that the Denver Broncos have. So that would be my guess. Um, but I don't think much to Seth's point, I don't think Spags is going to be upset necessarily if the, if the roles are switched, right? If the matchups are switched, I should say, if Jerry Judy somehow is on Legereus Sneed for a large part of the game. And then of course, Cortland Sutton is in a matchup where he's seen Trick McDuffie most of the time. Um, what's crazy about all of this is I still believe much like the Jets game, you know, Patrick Sertan is probably the bigger name, but luxurious need and Trent McDuffie are actually the better corners. It's a great take. I think they're going to put the clamps on Jerry Judy and I'm hoping that those clamps stay on him after the game, maybe in the locker room at Arrowhead and then just don't let him leave. (laughs) If the Broncos aren't interested in keeping him around, I I got a team in red that could probably find a way. Uh, here for the Only Weird Games crew, we'll kick it back to you, Craig. Appreciate the honor of of having a, a pass caught and thrown right back to you. Thank you, Josh. I'm going to do my best Rasheed Rice impression and try not to drop the very first pass that get thrown back my way here. Those were five things to watch with the Kansas City Chiefs against the Denver Broncos. Again, 
We talked about the Chiefs' four-man pass rush and getting home against an offensive line that, frankly, has not been particularly good and a quarterback that likes to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. We got to hear from Barbara and Deron Cherry about the mindset of a short week, what you need to be watching for, trying to start fast, trying to make sure you don't let a bad team hang around. We got to hear from B.J. Kissel about the intermediate and deep passing game that we all want to see more of with Patrick Mahomes. We got to hear from Tucker and Big B about the trenches, both sides of the ball there, the phenomenal stuff as always, and then Only Weird Games closed us out with a little bit more of the coverage ability in the secondary and the linebackers. It's going to be a big week. It's a short week. I, you know, It feels like we just got done playing here, but the Chiefs are back in Arrowhead finally. It feels like it's been forever since we've seen him here again against a divisional opponent here. If you are going out to Arrowhead, you need to make sure that you attend the Lot J tailgate. We are partnering with them. Go to Lot J. You will find the biggest tailgate there. In Lot J, that's the one that you need to hit up. That's good food, good drinks, good people. You're going to go out and have a good time with that. While you're there, make sure that you are listening to A-10's pregame show. That is the home of the NFL. All the primetime games are there, but it is one of the very best pregame shows that you're going to hear. They will get you ready. It pairs really well with that Lot J tailgate out there. And then during the game, if you're not able to get out there to Arrowhead, come by the Kingdom Bar and Grill. I'm going to be there. Maddie's going to be there. Kent's going to be there. Tuck's going to be there. We are all going to be there, hanging out, watching the game. And then immediately after the game ceases, we will be right back here live on KCSN's YouTube page to give you our typical post-game show. It is a very full week this week with two games in close proximity i am really excited for the chiefs to get back on the horse i'm really excited for them to get on the horse against a divisional opponent and start establishing that dominance in route to yet another divisional title my name is craig stout this has been five things to watch with the chiefs against the broncos be kind to each other and we will catch you later